I wanted to buy my own horse. So mom and dad were like, you need to start your own business and earn your own money. So I sold chicks for a couple of years and then I could buy a horse. <laughs> did you so, get there? I did. I bought a thousand dollar horse that had a, a knee that was bent. So it would run with his leg to the side <laughs> and, and she bucked a lot and she bolted, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of scary because she, would be really prone to falling over. So when you were running really fast, it's, it was kind of dangerous. <laughs> it sounds like a perfect horse for a child to ride. This is the Farm Hop Life podcast, a traveling homestead family. I'm Matt DeRosier. Tonight, I'm talking with some personal friends, Luke and Megan Wilson of Wilson Homestead in Montana. Whenever I think about people that work really hard and get stuff done, this is who I'm thinking of. They've been at their current homestead for only a year, and they have chickens, ducks, sheep, cows, pigs, but, you know, they had rabbits, and they ate them all. Uh, they don't have them anymore. <laughs> uh, plus, they have a garden on top of raising three young children. So, you guys really get it done. How are you doing? Tonight? Thank you. <laughs> Doing pretty good. How about you? Doing well, thank you. Um, so I wanted to start tonight by uh, telling everybody how how Luke and I met. So uh, I was part of the um, I think I still am the the survival podcast Montana MeWe group, and Luke found me through there. Like, hey, guy in Montana uh, listens to survival podcast. Must be pretty cool. So we were like chatting for like two months or something. This is how it, it was perceived to me, right? And I'm like, his name like online is Lucas Maximus. And so I'm like, <laughs> is this like, obviously, okay, it could be like Luke something, but Maximus probably not, I guess. It's possible. <laughs> and so we're talking for a couple of months and you're like, hey, so you know something about work. And I was like giving vague information, like, intentionally like i don't need to tell this guy when exactly i leave for work how many hours a day i work what i'm doing on the weekends where did i go and so i'm like like what if i'm getting uh what is it what if i'm getting catfished here and so i played it like pretty close to the chest uh for a while but eventually i was like yeah whatever I'm, I'll, I'll come over and check your place out uh let me bring my young son here with me you know, that's not, that's not weird. Risky move. It was, it was a bold move, but. You survived. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's, that's how I, I took it as anyways. That's, it was kind of an interesting, interesting meeting. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been cool. Uh, so you guys have quite the history in, in homesteading. Let, let's. Let's start with, I guess, Megan. Um, how did you get started homesteading? Because you're kind of like running the show and Luke's just kind of like, <laughs> is it, that's what appears on Instagram anyway. It's just like, this is what we're doing. Okay. Well, it, it started out a little bit more that way, but Luke's more running the show now because he's the one, like we're going to rotationally graze the animals this way. But um, I, my family started in... Probably when I was like seven or eight, we got chickens. We were in the middle of the city in Arizona. 
we got these chickens and made sure there was no roosters because the neighbors couldn't know that we had chickens or we have gotten in big trouble. And then we ended up moving to a, a little bit more rural of an area in still in Phoenix, but it was where people had like acre parcels and they were allowed to have chickens. And we ended up getting sheep and pigs there and doing meat chickens every year. And the sheep and pigs were definitely not allowed, <laughs> especially the pigs. And we were right across the wall from the public school in that town. So we were having to like try to hide the animal noises. And <laughs> so that was my start into homesteading. And we moved to Montana when I was 11. So I've been here for 11 years. The kids are getting out. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> Sophia says, I bonked my head. <laughs> All of a sudden got super noisy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's see. When we moved here, we kind of had to start over with what animals we had. So we got back into all of that stuff. We expanded our sheep flock a bunch and we started doing meat chickens every year for a co-op in Missoula. So we ended up raising like at least 500 to a thousand meat birds every year to sell. So I'm, I got a little sick of butchering chickens. <laughs> it's only been recently that I've been like, okay, I could probably do that again. I had to okay. have a I was going to say, when you helped us, you were pretty eager to get in there and get your hands dirty. I got yeah. a picture of you some there, somewhere with a, with a baby on your front. So. <laughs> yeah, well, it had been five years since I butchered. Well, at least five years since I butchered when I helped you guys. So I was ready to do it again. <laughs> sure. That's enough time. Yeah. So then we got married and we lived in a little studio apartment for a while. So we had no animals then. And... It was a year after we got married, we moved to Hamilton on two city lots and we finally got some chicks. And that's kind of when Luke started getting into it a little bit more. <laughs> yep. That was basically my start because my family is the exact opposite. We didn't do any animals at all. We had like small garden sometimes, mm. but cats. pretty much just had cats growing <laughs> up. And just cats. And I heard you can milk cats, so... That would be weird. You never did that. You'd get like <laughs> a teaspoon of milk. <laughs> I, I think it's a meet the Fockers joke. <laughs> um, anyways, so so then let's let's start at your uh, your two city lot uh, homestead. So you you guys started that in what year? Uh, four years ago. So 18. yeah, twenty eighteen. So what yep. else did you have there? So we first off just fenced out the whole property and then we got chicks yep. and raised them in a brooder and like 10 chicks started with chickens. Then we expanded into some meat rabbits. Good thing to do when you're in town. They don't in, take up much space and they're quiet. In 2020, we got the rabbits. So we just had chickens and a garden for a couple of years. No, it was when Demi was a newborn. Luke got really into the meat rabbits. <laughs> let's do it yeah let's try this out <laughs> um when when i saw pictures of your old place you guys had like i don't know plants growing in probably a hundred different paint buckets like how did <laughs> did that work well or did it not work well because i no it didn't work the best yeah okay yeah. it they... was bad because they were in with our normal garden and they needed like more water than the other the, the areas. buckets would dry out faster. 
you know, they dry out too fast and the soil, if we used like potting soil, it would have been better to have it looser. Mm. We should bring the dirt. So it didn't sure. work out great. <laughs> okay. So you guys sold, you guys sold that place last year and bought your current place that you're, that you're on now. So you got yeah. quite a bit more acreage. Um, yeah. Went from a fifth of an acre to 10 acres almost. So big jump. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's big it job. A little overwhelming at first. Like, wow, what do we do with all this space? Like, this is crazy. Too much potential. <laughs> Too much potential. Yeah. But we're getting it figured out now. So what what motivates you to grow your own food? Uh, probably the biggest thing is just the health aspect to it. Like, there's so much crazy chemicals in the food that we buy nowadays. It's just nice to know where your food's coming from and how, it's going to be the, healthy for your kids. Yeah. And How the animals were treated before they were butchered, that they were butchered humanely. You don't want to support the big meat industry that is so cruel right. to animals and uses grain to finish animals and hormones and all that stuff. So we know what's in the meat and whatever that we're feeding our children. Yeah. And another thing is it can be a lot cheaper. And if you're going to be buying grass-fed organic meat, it's really expensive. But yeah. Right. It's the only it. way to afford it. Yeah. Do it yourself. So I get that. Got the time to put in the labor. You can cut down that cost a lot. Yep. Right. Um, so you mentioned rotational grazing earlier. Uh, what would, like, what like other methods or techniques do you have running on your homestead? Um, well, the, the rotational grazing, we're starting kind of when uh, the sprinklers turn on. But other than that, we're, we've got like all these plans that we've got for the spring where we got ducks last fall to hopefully seal up our pond because it's a seasonal pond. The water all drains in the winter. So we want the ducks to seal up the pond so the water stays up a little higher all year. So okay. hopefully, hopefully that works out well. <laughs> but yeah, Luke watched all those YouTube videos on how to seal ponds. And apparently duck manure is really good for that. <laughs> oh, okay. That's simple, huh? This is kind of the experimentation year. We're just kind of trying everything and see what works and what we like and what we don't have time for and need to cut out. Mm-hmm. You guys have bit off quite a lot, like the whole, uh, hey, do one, maybe two new things a year uh, thing. You're just like, nah, screw it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, How's now? That's probably my fault because I'm very impulsive. Yeah, so Luke, Luke has to rein me in. Get an idea and jump in and I'll be like, let me think about it for a little longer. <laughs> I need to research this. Luke said... <laughs> No more animals this year, so I wanted to get you a guys milk. are already tapped out for the year. Yeah, I'd say so. It's like <laughs> anymore, it's gonna be a little overwhelming. All right, we got you on record. We got you on record. We'll see how <laughs> except maybe another puppy in the fall. Uh well that doesn't we count. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't count. Um yeah, it worked really good while we were in town because um, we built a little uh, rabbit tractor. So for all the little bunnies, stick them in that and just move them every day to get fresh grass. The, rat, uh, the chicken tractoring is one of our plans oh, right. for, for this um, 
summer to help with all the grass, move the chickens around, follow the sheep and the cows will be one of our other plans. Yeah. Let's talk about, um, have you, so like all those daikon radish seeds, how's, <laughs> how's that been going? Or did the chickens just totally eat all that and didn't really? Didn't yeah, I was work? kind of planted them a little late, so they weren't growing up quite enough before we put the chickens on it. But so oh, well, okay. they, they ate all the greens. I don't know if there's any radishes under the ground that we haven't found yet. They're probably, they're probably not very big in there. But we've sure. been adding so much uh, material to that garden anyway. It's probably going to be fine, nice and loose. Because okay. yeah. just, to, just to explain, um, I went over to Luke and Megan's place last summer to help Luke put in fence posts, and he bought a gas-powered auger. And after having tractors run on it to hay for a hundred years or so your ground is so compacted it might as well be rock and then when it <laughs> when you like when you do hit an actual like little marble of a rock it just like sends you flying when that on that gas powered auger and so the idea was to um, plant daikon radish seeds to like loosen up the soil for like the garden area and whatnot so that's that's how that came to be, but it's so it's like rock hard. Like I'm sure if you fell on your ground, it would be like hitting concrete. Yeah, it's crazy that first six inches or so, just like so compacted. Yeah, but then once you get through that, it's like loose, dark, good soil. It's weird. It's weird. So, um, what would you say? Like what? What have you tried that's worked well as far as like techniques? So like, uh, go ahead. Um, what's working really good is uh, we built the chick shaw from Justin Rhodes, so we can have our oh, yeah. chickens living in there, and then we can just move them wherever with uh, poultry netting. So we had them working all last year in a couple spots uh, to prep the garden areas. So they can be scratching everything up and you just throw on your compost and they can do all your rototilling for you and fertilizing and loosen everything up. So that's a really good one. Got a few garden spots to uh, do this year. Yep. Um, when we lived in town, it uh, worked really good to stake the tomatoes. It was just these like eight foot stakes. I would just go get buy one by fours, rough lumber and rip them in half and then Stake them all. Those things grow up so tall. As tall as the stake. They got like eight feet tall. Yeah. So why do you do that? Uh, it's really good to get them up off the ground. They can grow taller and then um, they have more airflow, which okay, light and stuff like that. Okay. For in indeterminate tomatoes, uh, the determinate tomatoes only get a certain amount tall anyway, and they can't get any taller. Okay. But the indeterminate will, they'll sprawl all over the ground if you don't give them something to grow up. <laughs> so the fruit can rot easier and pests can get a hold of it easier and all that. Yep. So you do that over like trimming like new branches or buds to like force the, so you'd rather have them grow up instead of forcing them to fruit? They still fruit as well. Right, they, we but you keep the, it, like the bottom, like foot or two, you keep trimmed because you want lots of airflow at the bottom. Okay. You want it to be moist and all that 
So, yep. but yeah, okay. they produced a lot. Hmm. Yep. I, I um, I saw a video of this this guy explaining his garden, and they like have like hooks, like hooking their tomato plants, and they grow like literally like kind of like with like a string. I think the string is just used as like support like tension or whatever and so they have like i don't know probably 12 feet of like tomato plant growing like laterally and up like in their greenhouse yeah. like, like holy smokes like this is like that's, that's pretty like, cool that's the use of space yeah that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah this year we want to try to do some of the arches with the hog panels oh yeah let them grow over the over the top of it grow green beans or whatever stuff like that sure yeah how do you guys deal with frost? Because, um, I mean, we can't plant until, like, early June. Uh, yeah. Transplant them in early June. Is that pretty much all, all you can do without coverings? Yeah, unless you want to get into some deeper stuff that we haven't experimented much with yet. So okay. You can cover them to give you a few degrees to help with frost. When we had a small garden in town, I would put walls of water over all of our tomato plants to keep them warm. But now we have so many tomato plants, I couldn't, I couldn't keep up with putting all the walls of water on. So that's more for a small scale garden. Okay. I've tried the walls of water. Does that, does that work well? I don't know if mine worked. It did for us. And it okay. frosted several times after I put them up. So it's definitely saved the plants from dying. And they seemed like they got bigger than when we did without walls of water so it seemed like it did work pretty well yeah because it's kind of like a greenhouse effect it holds the heat right. in and, moisture. and like a big layer of insulation for if yeah. it gets frosty hmm. when you're when they're first started in the spring yeah it's that a way. it's a weird like you buy it because like i heard i heard about it i don't remember where but i heard about it so i tried it i'm like this thing's weird you just like <laughs> It's just a bunch of cells that you fill with water for like mass <laughs> and all that crap. And then like, you know, if you don't support it at all, it just was like crash and spill and like smashes yeah. your plants. And they're hard to until you have all the little cells filled, they can tip over really easy. <laughs> yeah, weren't weird. the cats messing with them too, knocking them over? Oh, I remember what we had to do was <laughs> I would fill them up by I would put a five gallon bucket in the middle of it and then fill it all up so it would hold it up. That's and then we were having to we were having to do the bucket over it too at night because the cats would knock them over when we weren't looking. <laughs> Crash! This looks fun. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, you guys have silky chickens, don't you? Yes. Yep. How did you settle on silkies? What do you What do you like about silkies? Um, I liked that they were really good broody mothers. So I kind of we kind of decided on the silkies just to have mothers to brood the other chickens' eggs. Okay. They don't lay very many eggs and they don't lay very big eggs. So their purpose is basically to be mothers for the other chickens. So that we don't use the big chickens hmm. that eat more feed, wasting their egg production on being broody. So they're just kind of a saving us time and eggs. So they're like a surrogate. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, so we have one sitting on a nest so far, and we have another nest set up of eggs to hopefully entice one another one to go broody soon. <laughs> and then okay. we also have the incubator full of eggs. So when they're ready to hatch, we'll give her tons and tons of chickens, chicks yeah. and see, see <laughs> how many she can raise. 
I was going to ask you if you still did the the incubator along with uh, just a just a chicken brooding. So yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll try to put them under a chicken. So hopefully by the time we have the chicks hatching in the incubator, another one will go broody. Even if they're only broody for a day, if you put chicks under them, they'll be like, "Wow, that was fast." I have chicks already, and they're kind of not very oh. smart about it. So they'll just they'll take care of the chicks even if they've just gone broody, which is really cool. So hopefully we have at least one go broody by the time those hatch. Yeah, a lot easier to have them raise them. They know what they're doing. That's yeah. true. Yeah, just instead of like hand feeding all these chicks and yeah, yeah, even like just a couple you know, problematic chicks just like, they need a lot of work. Like, yeah. um, I think one of mine died last year just cause it, it had pasty butt. And so I washed it, but mm -hmm. I don't think I dried it enough. Like it still looked a little wet. And I, even though there was like a heat lamp, like three inches above it, I just, I think it got too cold and it died. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Chicks just get really cold so easily. <laughs> we raised a lot of chicks growing up. I actually started a chicken um, or a chick business. I bred the Morans that lay the really dark eggs. They have the, mm. the film on the outside of the eggs you can actually wash off and then it's a regular colored egg, which is really weird. But I raised a lot of those. I, I wanted to buy my own horse. So mom and dad were like, you need to start your own business and earn your own money. So I sold chicks for a couple of years and then I could buy a horse. <laughs> Did you so, get there? I did. I bought a thousand dollar horse that had a, a knee that was bent. So it would run with his leg to the side and, <laughs> and she bucked a lot and she bolted, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> the horse with uh, like a, like a limp horse or a lame horse, I guess. Yeah. It was kind of scary because she would be really prone to falling over. So when you were running really fast, it's, it was kind of dangerous. <laughs> It sounds like a perfect horse for a child to ride. Yep. <laughs> so what, what did you try that failed or didn't work well? So like, let's like the rabbits, like let's start with the rabbits. Cause I heard a little bit about the rabbits. <laughs> yeah. The rabbits love hate relationship. <laughs> they were so well at first, but then it seemed like it just was getting harder and harder to get them bred. And you hmm. couldn't tell if they were pregnant. You just had to wait a month. And if they either did or didn't have babies, then you'd know if they were pregnant. So we basically had one really good mama the whole time. But other than that, the other ones were not working out. Like, or they have... would not take care of their babies. They wouldn't pull fur to keep them warm in the winter. Or they'd be jumping on them and killing them themselves. Or they'd have them born on the wire where it's cold from the draft underneath and the babies wouldn't live. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Lots of uh, little frustrations. <laughs> yeah. We only got like five batches from them and we did it for a year and a half or something. Yeah. It was not very good odds. <laughs> they were frustrating. No. Yeah. A little That's, bit too uh, much. Not very good return. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they weren't very expensive and they were good experience. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? When, if you're in town, then they could make sense for you. But now they, that we have more land, they can raise bigger animals. It's like yeah, they don't make sense it's anymore. It's easier to raise sheep; they're lower maintenance than uh, rabbits. So might yeah. as well go with that's interesting because you always hear people like 
oh, with, you know, a buck and two or three does, you can raise way more meat than blah, blah, blah. But like can yeah. and do very different things. Right. right. Yeah. If they're consistently, you got them dialed in and they're getting bread every six weeks or whatever, and they're having big batches and they all live they, yep. like under perfect conditions. That's they, what would they happen. They seem like an awesome <laughs> animal. Yeah. But right. They didn't work out well for us. Yeah. Uh, we and, gave them up. Yeah. And the other reason I didn't like them is they're very lean meat. So I had to pair it with other fattier meats. You can't just eat rabbit every day or you're not getting enough fat in your diet. I didn't like how sure. not sustainable that was as our only meat source. So, yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> Plus, oh, yeah. Bigger animals are just cooler anyways. Like, I don't know if a whole lot of people get excited about like, I have meat rabbits and <laughs> quite a few and they might be listening, but like, I'm definitely more of like a bigger animal, like yeah. lover, I guess. I don't know. Like I always wanted sheep, just never got to it yet. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think they're cooler too. The bigger animals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So small, like, you get a two and a half pound carcass at the end, and a lot of that's bones. <laughs> that's just yeah, like right. the butchering and all that that goes into it. Mm -hmm. I didn't even tell you that rabbit that you gave me. I uh, well, I did tell you that I cooked it up the other night. Uh, I threw it in the crock pot with a, some like tiki marsala sauce. Mm -hmm. Swear. I like got like a piece, like it felt like a piece of bone got stuck in my throat. Oh, like, no. <laughs> it felt like that for like three or four days. And I, oh, on like no. day, on day like three, I called uh, uh, Missoula ear, nose, and throat. And I was like, um, so this is kind of funny. I think <laughs> I have a rabbit bone stuck in my throat. And she kind of laughed. And she goes, okay, let me talk to somebody. And so she puts me on hold, comes back. And she's like, yeah, they say to, to just wait a couple of days and call us if it's, if it's, uh, <laughs> if it, if it still feels like, like it's probably just an abrasion in your esophagus or something like that. I'm like, okay, but I've had those, like, let's say you eat like a tortilla chip and like goes in sideways, like, down right. throat. like that hurts. This doesn't feel like that. She's like, yeah. Yeah, just call us back. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but it went away. She was right. So, okay. yeah. yeah. I don't that... have a rabbit bone stuck in my throat. <laughs> well, that's not a very good first experience. <laughs> Second yeah, experience. With the, with the kids, I was scared to let them just have a big chunk. I'd have to check it so thoroughly for little bones for the toddlers yeah. to eat. They do have tiny little bones that just, if you cook it a little too long, the bones just fall apart with the meat. That That's another thing. That's not very good about them. <laughs> Yeah, right. all those spine bones just be mixed in. Just so like... sharp. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what else hasn't worked? Keeping um, the sheep in the electric fence. We were going to try to do a single strand when we're rotating them with the cows because you can keep cows in with single strand. And we put the strand up and then was that a single strand when the neighbor called us? He's like, your sheep are visiting my house. <laughs> And we were like, it was Sunday morning, too. We were yeah. getting ready to go to church. We had to run over there and get all our sheep. <laughs> so the single That's strand did not work. We had to put three strands on the border to keep them in because they were jump they were going in between two strands. And then we tried to lower the one strand. They go over the over it. So we just had to do three. <laughs> to <keep them> in. 
Uh, part of the problem was over the winter we didn't have the fence energized so i think they just got used to like oh i can just go right through here yeah so now they seem to be respecting a little bit more so they're they staying in two strands now so that's progress okay. <laughs> so how come you had the the fence off in the winter uh if we just put it up around the perimeter uh where we were going to plant trees but we never planted them so we're just like, oh, we'll just leave it off. It's fine if they go back Save there. Energy. Yeah, but now we need them to stay off there because we've been, we've planted a few trees and we're getting our order in soon. 600 trees, so we need them to not go in there and eat all the trees. <laughs> that would be very yeah, frustrating. That would be expensive feed for those sheep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let them get established for a year or two, and then you guys can eat them. Yeah. Right. Just let it get a head start. Right. Um, what do you want? Do you guys want to talk about the breed that you picked for your sheep and why you did that? Yeah. Um, that was the breed that I grew up raising. So it oh, was really? just familiar to me. Yeah. we. Uh, the, uh, was it Barbados black belly or the American black belly? Barbados. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just, when we decided to get sheep, that was just the breed. I was like, okay, we'll get Barbados because they're, um, really parasite resistant. They're they're a hair sheep, so you don't have to shear them every year. They're basically wild and very self sufficient. So they're very low maintenance. Yeah, you don't have to help with lambing. You don't have to trim hooves or horns. Or well, you docks the tail. You wouldn't be able to do that anyway because they're so right wild. <laughs> so it's a good thing they don't need that. You don't have to do any worming like so many other sheep breeds have huge problems with parasites and right. Yeah. And yeah. And I hear about people who have uh, some breeds of wool sheep. They'll have like so many sheep die in a year from parasites or weird diseases. And I'm like, how is that a thing? We had no sheep die over the whole like six years we raised them. Not a single one died. Right. So they're, that is a really good thing about them. So yeah. The only downside is that they're a little bit wild and hard to move from so, where you want them. Yeah. You have to have one you that has been bottle fed and then will come to grain. Otherwise there is no catching them ever again. <laughs> they are very skittish. Yes. Yeah. I have noticed that. Yeah. So we'd like to, we've been talking about crossing in with the Katahdins because those are also hair sheep, but they're a little bit bigger. So it'd be nice for more meat and they're a little bit more calm. So it might bring the energy down a little bit in the flock. So we might get a couple of ewes in the fall. We're still talking about it. Because okay. the cross between Barbados and Katahdins are, are a really good one. That, that sounds like a good mix. It, yeah, it doesn't count as a new animal. <laughs> yes, it does. It's more. It's literally more of a thing. That's a more it's animal. It's, it's just... not any harder. <laughs> maybe. Like, maybe. You get, for every sheep, it'd be like half a point against you, I guess. So <laughs> just keep that in mind. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if later this summer you have, like, emus or ostriches on your farm or something like that. Like, yeah, they're yeah. a new draft animal. We did grow up with llamas. We always had guard llamas with our sheep, which I've is... I've heard about that. Pretty weird. That yeah. they scream. They, sc like, they absolutely scream when there's, like, a, like something, right? Ours didn't. But they would... Really? They this really hard stomping thing where they like lift their leg up all the way straight and they stomp it down really hard so it it would totally kill a predator you have to be careful around the llamas and not make them mad because they could like kill you with one one hit <laughs> killer llamas 
Yeah, we had one year where this llama that had been such a good guard to our sheep started chasing the lambs. It was lambing season. There were these tiny little lambs that couldn't run yet. And the llama decided they were a predator. So I, me and Caleb were out there chasing this llama around trying to keep it from getting the lambs. And so we had to get a different one that wasn't so aggressive with little ones. Jeez. Was- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. We did talk about getting a guard donkey last year, but Luke decided not to. <laughs> yeah, we don't really have uh, too many predators around here. I don't think we really need one. Yeah. You don't think you don't think you got that many predators? We've never Maybe. seen really. We haven't seen any deer. We haven't seen any coyotes. We haven't even heard them from here. So I'm not. And there's so many neighbors around with guard dogs that I'm not really worried at all about. The sheep. There are skunks. There's a lot of predators for the chickens, but none for the sheep or the cows. Okay. So, but yeah, Maybe when we were two eagles, up, will pick up a sheep together. <laughs> Maybe they could pick up a lamb. <laughs> I have Maybe. been worried about the hawks a little bit when the lambs are really tiny. But yeah, when we were growing up, we lived right at the base of the mountain in um, Corvallis, and we had black bears around and a lot of coyotes. So we had um, the German shepherds two German shepherds that were right by the house that would guard. And then we had the llama guarding the sheep and we had a really strong electric fence around all the chickens. So we had like really intense um, system <laughs> to keep all the bears. That and sounds cows. like it. Yeah. It's quite <laughs> intensive to just to keep something from eating something that you're going to eat later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was interesting. <laughs> I actually heard about, Barbados sheep first in um, Backwoods Home Magazine. They were talking, there's an article about, they're like, they're the perfect homestead like animal for all those reasons you explained. And from what I could tell, like the American version, it's just like the Barbados, except that they have horns is what I got from it. Oh, really? And yeah, yeah that's, that's too. I and, haven't researched the American one very much, so I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, and that's the only reason I would have wanted um, American black bellies is because, like, hey, when this thing um, gets processed, I got a cool set of antlers, yeah. or uh, like a cool skull mount. And then, and I was looking at um, a, my last kick was uh, a Scottish breed called Soe S O A Y. They're like um, they're kind of shaggy, or kind of like the sheep version of a Scottish Highland cow. Ah, but then, yeah. but they got the nice curls too, and yeah, so nice. like that would be sweet. And I think they're uh, they should be a hair variety as well. So, oh, cool. and I think they're bigger. Yeah. I think they're bigger bodied. That'd be nice. Yeah. Well, it's good. The males of the Barbados have horns, which is good because they're they're a lot bigger. So you need something to grab onto. That would be one reason why it would be nice if the females did, because when you're trying to catch them, a set of handles would be kind of nice. <laughs> need a lasso or a shepherd's hook i know <laughs> yeah yep that yeah. used to be my job catching the sheep because i would uh rope cattle so i could rope the sheep from my horse <laughs> but i don't have a horse anymore so <laughs> maybe you could get another lame horse no <laughs> yeah Luke said i can't year. get a horse this year either <laughs> ostrich yeah there we go <laughs> They ride them. They, they grab onto their big, goofy necks and ride them. <laughs> yeah, that would be a lot That would be so weird. 
I think there's a place down in Hamilton. I've seen at the farmer's market, they sell like emu eggs or just emu yeah. stuff or oh, yeah. I don't know. Totally yeah, weird. Going on a, like a homeschool farm tour, the emu ranch. Really? Yeah. They got I'd love to interview. I'd love to interview them. That would be really funny. Weren't yeah. they in the booth next to us when we used to do the farmer's market? Yeah. They had like all that emu oil and stuff. Yeah. It's supposed to be like heal anything. It's supposed to be really good. Your skin or something. But who knows? Just squeeze out an emu. And <laughs> um, what has been the biggest challenge in homesteading? Uh, what's been the biggest challenge you faced in homesteading? Probably the time. Having Trying time to, to have a full-time job and raise kids mm -hmm. as well as, all right, you got to do chores every morning, every change, evening. Change the pipes in the summer is a big one. Yeah. Just, mm. yeah, it takes a lot of time to raise your own food. Yeah. But once you can get your systems down and your routine, it just kind of comes a part of your life and it's not really a too big a deal. Time to add 25 new animals. Right. <laughs> Once you got it figured out. Yep. <laughs> Figure out an animal, get it the process down and add another one. Yep. Last summer was especially hard because we were trying to figure out our system with having all the extra land and the new animals. And I was pregnant and I couldn't do very much because I kept going into labor, preterm labor. So Luke had a lot of stuff to do, a lot of not not very much extra time last summer, especially. So Hopefully this summer is easier. Yeah, doubtable though. <laughs> <laughs> At least we know what we're in for. Yeah. yeah. Changing the sprinkler pipes every day, that's a big chore. It takes at least half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. The time. Time. Time and yeah, money. I mean, you gotta buy all the tea posts and fencing and animal feed. Like yeah. right. I mean, in the end, it works out to really cheap, good quality food, but initially right. when you're first getting set up, it can, it can be expensive if, if you're not going to do it right. You're just going to go out and buy everything brand new and make the perfect chicken coop or whatever. Yeah. Then those are going to be some really expensive eggs. Mm -hmm. But if you can... Where do you guys get your feed anyways? Uh, we get it from uh, Blackfoot Feed and Seed Distributor. She's in uh, 20 minutes. Yeah, Victor. Um, yeah, we have like a recipe, like three parts peas. We have barley, sunflower seeds, corn, oats. oats. Um, I have a recipe written down on my phone and then we mix it all. And then we, in a few days before we feed the chickens, Luke will start soaking it. So it's easier to digest. So they go through less feed and it saves money on the feed bill. I've but. tried that once. I did that. Oh man. When we first had chickens for like a month or so and we we went out of town and so like i had my neighbor um like i'm like okay here's the feed that's been like been soaking okay mm -hmm. and here's the feed that like if you run out of feed because we just have been giving them like as much as whatever they want to eat what like that's fine and like he never what was the deal? He like left the fermented feed in the house or something like that when we were gone for like three or four days. 
and it was like so gross and moldy by the time we got home i like had to just like throw it all like i don't even know what we did to the ins it was right inside the house i don't know that's probably my fault i probably could have i think i was still dealing with mice in the shed at the time Mm. so that's why i didn't put it in the shed but um yeah that was gross after after that i'm like i'm I'm not doing that anymore i'm I'm not going to feed anymore uh don't need to deal with moldy feed so yeah yeah just keep it simple especially yeah let's just keep it simple right yeah let's let's not let's not get complicated here hi there (laughs) who is this vivian i mean i mean i know who it is but everyone else doesn't know who it is this is Um, vivian (laughs) how old are you now she's eight months months. (laughs) i can't believe it it's going so fast (laughs) goes faster and faster with each one is this the time suck right here this is the time suck <laughs> one of them yeah one of many. one of them one, one of three and she's been the easiest one though she just rides around on my back in the carrier and isn't that much work <laughs> compared to the other ones when they were babies they seem That's like they're getting I'm easier <laughs> um what's the what's the best part of homesteading it's really fun to see the kids interacting with the animals and just having them grow up with this lifestyle, see where their food comes from a tiny little seed to a giant eight foot tomato plant or a tiny little baby lamb to a big one. Like, it's really yeah. cool to have them involved. And Yeah, because it's surprising how many people don't actually know where meat comes from. And they just think it's in the store in a package and like they actually don't know it comes from an animal. It's like really surprising that people don't know that. <laughs> so it's like nice to see the kids just seeing the whole circle of life and that we're good to our animals and we take good care of them, but that they're ultimately to take care of us. That's something that a lot of people have a hard time with. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. connection to your food. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Keeps you really grounded and not so worrying about everything going on with the world, especially right now. Like just security that we have, we have food and we can uh, be a little bit more self-sufficient. Right. It's hard to worry about other BS when like you're worried about your uh, sheep getting out or, you know, <laughs> right. you know, is my chicken still being like broody or did she abandon the eggs or whatever? Like it's hard to, you know, distract yourself with garbage when you mm-hmm. have actual problems going on like that. So it makes yep. a lot of sense. It is nice. <laughs> yeah. You don't have time to worry about what's going on in Russia or whatever. <laughs> Flavor of the day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what do you guys, <laughs> what do you guys enjoy more raising livestock or like growing produce? Raising livestock. For yeah. sure, for me. <laughs> Luke's more of the gardener. He he probably still likes the livestock more, but he likes the garden more than I do. I kind of get bored with it a little faster. <laughs> She's excited to jump in and plant stuff. But then and then I get bored fast. Anyone who needs I need to something with a heartbeat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's more, it's more fun to interact with the animals and 
yeah. figure out good systems for them. <laughs> uh what gives you what gives you more production do you think the, li the livestock or growing food like the, growing food or the <laughs> sorry the livestock the, the livestock yeah. yeah you get way more protein and good fat and like vegetables are great and all but yeah and you need the calories Right. In, in Hamilton, we got more of the vegetables. We produced more of that. And then now that we're here, we definitely have more on the livestock side. <laughs> yep. Do you think, so what, what, what's your favorite uh, produce to grow then? You know, what's the kind of like your, let's say top three or five staples that you, that you like to, like to grow? Uh, tomatoes, squash. Gonna be winter squash. Uh, pickling cucumbers, um, sunflowers are always good, and maybe beets. Oh, and green beans. <laughs> Lots of green beans. Yeah. Lots of green beans. That's because a lot of those, can like, how much of that do you do you eat fresh versus can? Yeah, that's the main reason we pick those. We're going to be heavily focusing on those because we can preserve them. She does tons and tons of canning and they're yeah. easy to freeze. So yeah. hopefully uh, produce all the like tomatoes, tomato sauce and diced tomatoes that we need for a full year. Yeah. Same with green beans and squash and stuff. Yeah, the year we produced the most in the garden um, in Hamilton, I canned 500 jars of food. A little bit of that was from the farmer's market, but a big chunk of it was from the little garden in Hamilton. So I'm sure we'll have a lot more to can this year. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. That's a lot of jars. Like yeah. when they're, when they're not being used, like where do you, even when they are being used, like where do you keep them all? Like I guess people have pantries. Like I, I don't really have that much of a pantry. Like I have like storage under the, under the stairs. Yeah, yeah right. in Hamilton, in that small little house, we had them just kind of everywhere. A little in the kitchen, a little upstairs in the closet, a little on shelves here and there. Here yeah, we now have- there's a, a big space in the garage. There's just yeah. boxes and boxes of them. That's where the empty jars are. And then we have the, the little cold room where the hot water tank is and all that. We're trying to put as much in there because it stays a more stable temperature than the garage. Mm. So it'll be better for keeping it but yeah, well, if we can stuff them all in there, <laughs> I'll probably need to be building some more canning shelves this fall. <laughs> Figure out something. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be a lot. Um, we're so Megan. I don't have this on the on the notes, but you you make like soaps and lotions out of goat milk, right? Um, I haven't made goat's milk soap for a while, but I mostly make um, soap with a base of either coconut oil or lard and tallow. And then there's a bunch of different scents like tea, tea, tea tree, charcoal, or pumpkin spice, or stuff like that. So, yeah. Where does the where does the lard come from? Um, I render it from the pigs we get every year. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But you have you have pigs this year, like so. Are you going to use yeah. your own pigs? Yeah, the mm -hmm. fat we get okay. from them. Normally, even before we got our own pigs, we would buy like a whole hog from a friend who raised them organically and then we get all the bones and all the fat and all of that. So I'd make bone broth and render the lard and can it all. So it's, it's nice to have. 
Nice. Yeah. Um, aren't you like making deodorant now also? Or is that new? Is I that a new thing? Been, is that? I have been for a while. I just added a new kind. I'm, I'm making a um, tallow deodorant with some more woodsy essential oils like um, cedarwood and Idaho blue spruce. That's been my newest one. <laughs> so I just that add sounds in, pretty nice. I add in some new of the deodorant or a new kind of soap every now and then. It makes it more fun. <laughs> Do you? How's your? How's your online orders been, or like Instagram orders? I guess because you're you're you got quite a following on Instagram. Like, do you like when you put out a post? Um, does they're like I'll take one. I'll take one. Like, oh whoa! Now I have like a hundred, hundred orders uh, or something. Not a hundred, <laughs> not a hundred. But I made like a batch of fifteen of the deodorants, and I just said I have fifteen, of these, and they were gone in like an hour or two. So I'm sure when I post more of them, I'll be able to sell. Sure. I'll probably just see how many people want, and then I'll just make that many. <laughs> It'll be better. But yeah, it kind of slowed down after Vivian was born because I kind of shut down the Etsy shop and the my online shop, and then it kind of messed oh. up the algorithm for a while. So it's hard for people to find me. It'll, it'll pick back up, but it's kind of nice not to have to make soap every day for a while. Right. That, uh, that charcoal soap that you, that you gave us, that stuff yeah. is awesome. It like anytime, like I've been, um, you know, just like super like gross and sweaty from work or whatever, that stuff just cuts like right through the oils. Yeah. Um, they're just like sitting on top and it's just, like, now I feel fresh. Um, <laughs> That's it's, good. It's, it's, it's awesome stuff. It's so weird though. Cause like, well, it's black. And then you like, you like make, you know, you just rub it in your hands and then you get like black suds like everywhere. It's like, whoa, weird. There's like black bubbles in here. I know it is weird. There's all this black water going down the drain. You're like, man, how yeah. dirty was that? <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I'm happy to hear that you liked it. Um, can we talk about your like Instagram just for a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Um. You post a lot. How many hours a day do you spend um, even just like not even posting content, but just like recording, like trying to like produce content because you're constantly posting stuff. It's insane. Like it seems like you have like a whole film crew behind you and just like. <laughs> oh, can you deal with the kids? Um, normally, I try to just film things as they happen. And then, so I'll be like making something in the kitchen or I'll find some, some info that I want to post and then I'll save it somewhere. And then in the morning when I, when the kids are still in bed or during their nap, I'll just post everything I have so that I don't take up too much of the time the kids are awake. So I kind of collect stuff throughout the day and then post it a few times during the day. So it kind of works out really well. It saved a lot of time from when I just post as I film things, it takes way more time. That if I can just build it up for a little bit and then post it like three times a day. <laughs> okay. So it makes it more manageable. I see. That makes yeah. that makes sense. Because I'm like, I am so not interesting. That's why I have to do these interviews. So I have like content to produce. So I'm like, what am I going to post today? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
No, nothing happened today. I guess I'm not posting anything today. <laughs> Maybe something interesting will happen tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, oh, look, 100 yards of wood chips. That went well. Um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, so it's just, it blows my mind how much stuff that you post. Um, well, when I do, and then when I do the reels, I'll just take one of the kids' nap times and I'll just make like, 20 of the reels at once so that I have them to post here and there throughout the next couple weeks. So it consolidating, it saves a lot of time. Otherwise it wouldn't be manageable to post that much. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, it's just a lot. It's a lot of work. And then, you know, on top of that, you've got your, you got your blog and your website and your, uh, your YouTube channel. Um, yeah. Just, Lots and lots of lots of things. Yeah. <laughs> and then another thing that well, helps is I try to work four days a week, four tens. So then on Fridays, that's kind of like the business day. So I'll try to have the kids outside with me doing projects. So then she can be filming in here and working on the business. That's smart. So I get a full day uninterrupted to get a lot of work done. <laughs> but that that yeah, that makes a big difference just to have even a couple hours, but like a whole day, like that's, that's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I bet Katie, Katie, like quite a few times she goes, you ever think you could get away with four tens? <laughs> 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 no electricians. When they don't show up, people get pissed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> people just yeah. expect the painters to not show up. <laughs> yeah. It's the norm. <laughs> uh, so what would you what would you tell people that want to get started homesteading? Just get started. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say that you should do a little small garden. Just doesn't have to be big. Just grow a few things, something that you really like to eat. If you like tomatoes, grow tomatoes. If you don't, don't grow them. And another good starter is start with a small flock of chickens. They seem to be the the gateway animal gets you into things. Uh, they're really pretty simple. Just get, get them food and water and shelter and take it from there. It's really fun to see them start laying eggs and you can get practice with uh, butchering the roosters and all that. So kind of just a good learning animal. Experiment with new animals from there. Figure out what, what your style is if you don't want to be housing animals during the winter, just do like feeder pigs or uh, just meat chickens. So you only have them for a certain amount of time. You're not having them year round. Yeah. Is there, was there something else that you'd like to add, Megan? Oh, um, a lot of people just procrastinate getting animals because it seems really intimidating to get the first animal. Once you have one, it's, it just kind of snowballs from there and you get more. But especially with all the stuff going on in the world, people just need to jump on it and start and not not worry so much. <laughs> right. Just start. Yeah. Start with something small, something simple. Don't feel like you have to do 15 Everything animals wants. like us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, chickens are a lot easier than uh, than than people realize like, oh my gosh, like we're getting chickens. Like, nah, it's easy. But 
it helps to have infrastructure in place first. And no, you don't need to go buy that four hundred dollar uh, chicken coop set you saw at Tractor Supply. Like, you'll be yeah. fine with like fifty bucks of materials. Like, right, picking up from job sites or whatever, uh, garbage mm-hmm. like uh, dumpsters. Like, slap it together. Yeah, Luke made the chicken coop and the duck coop out of the slab wood we got for firewood. They look like oh, blocks. nice. <laughs> yeah, super cheap material and yeah. stuff that's not yeah. usable. You can just burn that you're gonna burn anyway. So yeah, yeah that's true. Make have tons of stuff out of pallets and five gallon buckets, whatever you have <laughs> lying around. Lots of lots and lots of five gallon buckets. Metal yeah. roofing. <laughs> Always grab that when you see it at garage sales or. Mm-hmm. You can never have enough metal roofing. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Keeping an eye out for materials, it really helps cut down the cost. Yeah. Yeah, that never hurts. Do you guys want to plug your uh, your website and your social medias? Sure. Yeah, the website is www.wilsonhomestead.com. And then my Instagram handle is Wilson Family Homestead. And then we're just Wilson Homestead on YouTube. So <laughs> great. I'll have links for all of that in the show notes. Thank you. Perfect. I appreciate appreciate you guys being here tonight. Just hold tight one second. It was great to get to know Luke and Megan a little bit better. Like I know they had backgrounds in homesteading, her uh, specifically, but I didn't know, you know, all those little details. So it was great to get that, get that background knowledge on them and kind of get more you know hey this didn't work this didn't work why'd you pick this and whatnot so appreciate uh them spending their time here and thank you all for watching and listening please like and subscribe most importantly share this video check out our website farmhoplife.com you can sign up for our email list to be notified of new videos interviews and podcasts when they're available And on the website, you can see a map of approximately where everyone I've interviewed is located. It's pretty neat. Check it out. You can email me anytime, matt at farmhoplife.com. And I'm always looking for new people to interview. If you want to come on to talk about homesteading, farming, food security, homeschooling, just go to farmhoplife.com slash guest. Go feed yourself.